to the Beer Conspiracy Show. It's a comedy podcast where three best buds sit around and talk about the supernatural, conspiracy theories, true crimes, and more. Pretty much anything weird. Now, we tend to pull no punches, so a mature listening audience is advised. But if you like to have a good time, then crack open a cold one, pull up a chair, and hang out with the boys of the Beer Conspiracy Show. Alcatraz, The Rock. This is the most notorious prison in American history. It's a grim concrete fortress planted on solid rock, surrounded by the frigid waters of San Francisco Bay. And it has a way of breaking the spirit of the most hardened criminal. It is dusk, and within the prison, a mutiny of hardened lifetime killers has become war to the death. Armed with weapons from the prison armory, the prisoners boast they will shoot their way out. It was a legendary escape from a place that was supposed to be inescapable. Three men pulled off the impossible, breaking out of Alcatraz. And they crawled out of their cells up on the roof and escaped into the San Francisco Bay. And that, you got to give it to them, they, they broke the system. I may have found a way out of here. What are our chances? I'm in. Me too. Wanna go? Let's go! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Beer Conspiracy Show. We're your hosts. I'm Aaron. And I'm Dirty D. Not I'm Jared. So. I miss David. <laughs> good news. Everybody misses Dirty D. He had his baby. <laughs> Name. Jared Jr. <laughs> <laughs> named by Dirty D's wife. <laughs> nah, to be determined, apparently, he hasn't named the baby. But we're just happy we have a new beer conspiracist in the world. So, tonight... One more, one more listener in, <laughs> like, 20 years. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> we needed it. So, tonight, we're going to be doing part two of our Alcatraz series. If you remember last week, we talked about a little bit of the history of Alcatraz, a little bit of the living conditions. We also talked about one of the most famous inmates, the Birdman of Alcatraz. Oh shit, Birdman. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to, we're going to move on a little bit. We're going to talk about two of the most famous escape attempts. One is an attempt one is Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is Lint Beastwood. <laughs> like, what did I just say before? Lily Bell. Blah, blah, blah. Got a beer stroke. Yeah. It happens. It happens to the best of us. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. So, like I said, one of our stories is going to be the, one of the most bloody escape attempts called the Battle of Alcatraz. Let's go ahead. I have a couple of characters. We're going to go through our characters first. So number one, we got Bernard Coy. He was the mastermind. I'm going to rely on you as our Ocean's Eleven lover. Oh, I do. I do love Ocean. Bernard Coy is our Danny Ocean. Oh, nice. Number two is Joe Kretzer. He's he, a Brad Pitt character. He's our Brad nice. Pitt. He can be quick to violence. And he's, he's always eating. He's a little bit of our wild card. He's always eating some snackies. <laughs> Number three is Moran Thompson. I'm not really sure who he is. Number four, Marv Hubbard. Marvin Hubbard. So both him. He's Matt Damon, obviously. No, he's uh -oh. not. Okay. I have a Matt Damon. Oh, okay. Moran Thompson and Marvin Hubbard. These guys are kind of, let's call them like our red shirt Star Trek guys. Throwaways? We don't really care about yeah, them. Okay. They're important. solid guys. Both successfully have broken out of prisons before. Smooth operators. No need to ask. He's a smooth operator. Nice. All right. Now we got our Matt Damon. A Bernie Mac type. No, we're not. No, not cool. Enough. Number five, Clarence Carnes, a.k.a. the Choctaw Kid. He's actually our youngest person ever sent to Alcatraz ever at 18. He's a little Asian guy for sure. No, he's a little Indian guy. Yeah, but there's only one ethnic person in the group. He's got to no, be. No, he's the kid. He's Matt Damon. Oh, okay. All right. I so, see uh, Bernard Corey hadn't known him very long, but he knows that the Choctaw Kid He's eager to please. He don't want to get fucked. He's a good lackey. So, like I said, he's our Matt Damon. And fun fact, 
after the Choctaw Kid died, famous criminal Whitey Bulger actually paid for his body to be exhumed and buried in Oklahoma on Choctaw land. No shit. They That's made, really cool. They made good friends in Alcatraz. So no. he just, as a friend, wanted him to be buried where he should be buried or yeah. whatever? Yeah. Huh. Because... Whitey Bulger's oh, such actually, a stand-up I'll, guy. I'll talk about that later. He's such a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was. I mean... He only murdered like Good 40, criminal, dude. 40 there, people. There's a code. Follow the code. Yeah. So number six is Sam Shockley. Now, Shockley was actually fucking crazy, and the dude was basically a mongo. <laughs> but you got to have some muscle, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was... He's a, a real Casey Affleck. Okay. <laughs> you don't remember all the Ocean's Eleven people? No, that's why I have you here. Yeah. <laughs> was he on that? Yeah. Wasn't he really? Yes. Casey Affleck was one of the... I think he was one of the brothers that fought. Or the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With James Con, With yeah. something Con, Jimmy Con's son. I don't know that guy's name. Is it kind of a, a muscular guy or whatever? Like stocky build? Yeah. He must work out. Yeah, that's James Con's son. What else was he on? Was he on a... He was on that movie with David Arquette where they wrestled. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I really never seen that. Okay. If you ha- if you watched it, you would love it. Well, I love David Arquette. He's great. Ocean's Eleven's 22 years old. Holy crap. Do I feel old? You are old. How old's your daughter? <laughs> She's almost an adult herself. Yeah. She's way older than you. <laughs> Tell me how that worked out. Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn. All right. Do you know who I'm talking about now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm they fought each other. All right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Bernard Coy was the mastermind of the operation. He's our Danny Ocean, like I've said. He's uh he worked together with Joe Kretzer to form the perfect plan because Kretzer had actually tried to escape a few years before from Alcatraz. Okay. So, so he's kind of telling him what not to do or whatever. Correct. Okay. So they used his failure to learn from his mistakes. So Coy, Bernard Coy, was the library orderly or I think he was just an orderly, pretty much like Let's just call him like a janitor. Not a prisoner? He's a prisoner. But oh, okay. He's, he's so he's an, kind of... Let's just... He's an orderly. So like a janitor, he cleans wherever, any part that's of the That's probably prison. like a privileged position, huh? Like to not be yes, just a regular... Okay. and that's why he's the mastermind. Gotcha. Because he can move freely around the prison right, right, whenever right. he wants to. So him and Joe Kretzer, they're watching the guards to learn all their routines so they can come up with their elaborate plan... And everybody, everybody a part of their team has their part to play. So basically, they're going to go for the guns. They're going to shoot their way out of Alcatraz. Seems like a bad idea. How are you going to, where are you going to go? <laughs> shoot your way out and then what? See your Take team. on the Navy when they, like, what are you? This is where <laughs> you not being here for the first part is kind of. Yeah, so you hadn't even released the first part. I haven't heard the first part yet. I don't yeah, no, I want to. So basically, they're going to shoot their way out, but they still have to go swim through the bay. Which is going to take hours and hours and hours. It does not take that long. It takes... To swim in like two miles? No. Well, professional swimmers can do it in like 45 minutes. I watched it without, epi- without flotation and current and stuff. Yes. Um, so it wouldn't be unrealistic thing. It would take them two or three hours to do it. But I did watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. A professional swimmer swam it in little over an hour. And it's very hard, but he said possible. So they actually had somebody do it, swim it. Lots of people can do it. Okay. Okay. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. Which will come up even more in our next story because there's no swimming in this. They never get out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So on May 2nd, 1946, the plan ready to set in motion at 1.30 p.m. Go time. So there's limited guards at this time. A lot of them are at lunch. And a lot of inmates on the block are taking naps. So remember, Coy is an orderly. He's able to walk around freely. He taps on the access door to D-Block. He lets the four guys know in the group. Plans in motion. We're ready to go. So D-Block is separate from the rest of the prison. They're isolated from the cells at most of the time because this is kind of that the bad the people? worst okay. of the worst. Yeah. He then goes, after he knocks on the door, he goes to meet Hubbard. He's in the kitchen. Kind of waits back while Hubbard lets the kitchen guard, his name's Miller, know that his job is finished. So Miller's like, hey boss, I'm done. Ready to go. He hides a kitchen knife, a butcher knife under his shirt. 
The guard goes to frisk him, and that's when Coy comes up. Comes up behind Miller, pins his arms behind his back, and then Hubbard beats the shit out of him. <laughs> so, uh... Filled a, a bag with bars of soap and beat the shit out of him? No, dude. He's just rocking it. He's Christy Martin rocking oh, nice. his shit right there. So, um, knocks him out. So they take Miller to an empty cell, and they tie him up, and they leave him there. So... I already said they've been watching the guards' routines for a little while. They know Miller's routine. So Coy knows that he has that Miller has the keys to open up all the cells up there. So he uses the keys to free Thompson, Kretzer, and Carnes. Would you like me to call Carnes the Choctaw Kid? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you probably don't remember any of the, the King of Corn. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so Coy and Kretzer proceed. These are the two. Number one and two. Proceed to give Koi a good rub down with axle grease. <laughs> they take a little break for some gayness. <laughs> nice. Because George Clooney just oh my wiping God. down the little Asian guy Only and greasing him up. Is going wild <laughs> when they release that. <laughs> Koi's been starving himself for weeks. To be small? Okay. He's lost I think about I'm, 30 pounds. I think I can, I can see where this is going. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's pretty self-explanatory. He's lost about 30 pounds. Gee, in weeks? For the next part of that Good plan. Good lord, man. That's he a crash diet. So he makes his way to the elevated gun gallery. Okay, picture this. You're on one side of the prison block. Picture this. The guards walk on the bottom, correct? And then you have the two, like the cells on either side. Right. Okay, so on that far wall, on the very top, you have the gun gallery. Think of it as an office on the top that watches the whole block and he also has the guns like an armory or whatever armory. okay that's what it's called yeah. yeah he's got the armory up there so he makes he climbs from the bottom to the top to get to that gun gallery but they've got bars around this office or armory or whatever but they made a homemade bar spreader and he spreads them cheeks <laughs> a good 10 inches and he's already greased up He's already greased up, ready to go. Dude, this plan is, he's, they're ready. It's starting to come together. Yeah, yeah. I see it. And it's not easy, but he squeezed himself through them bars. Do they like measure this and stuff? Like somehow, I mean, why why lose the weight and grease up if you're not specifically trying to get to a... I'm pretty sure it's enough to where you're like, there ain't no way I can get it there as I am now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Koi sucks it in, squeezes himself, and he wakes on Shockley. The crazy guy. So now it's Shockley's turn, part of the plan. So he starts yelling. He's acting fucking crazy. He's creating a diversion, which bought the gun gallery guard. His name's Birch. Running down to go see what the fuck the problem is. Shockley's on D-block. So when he made his way back to Koi, he's waiting on him. So Koi hit Birch in the face with the door. So while Birch is trying to come in through the door, Koi just slams it in his face. And then... uh. Then he has a billet club, which he pulled from the armory, and he just fights him, overpowers him, takes him. He strips Birch down, takes his clothes and his gun belt and the rifle that he's carrying, and he ties him to a pole in the gun gallery. So now our crew's got weapons. Kretzer had beat up another guard and thrown him in with Miller and Coy. Remember they got that uh, empty jail cell? They're Mm -hmm. starting to pile up guards in there. Okay. So Coy meets up with them. He starts to disperse weapons to all the guys. They start taking guards by surprise, throwing them in the two cells. So they have 10 at this point. 10 guards? Ten guards. Holy crap. Yeah. They have nine in the cells and then Birch, who's tied up in the gun gallery. So Coy has Miller's keys. That's the guard from the kitchen, which he uses to free all the inmates in the top two tiers of D-block. The next part. This is reminding me kind of of a... Uh... You remember that Ja Rule Steven Seagal movie? I watched it wasted. It's it's with, with really, Sean, really I bad, think. but also really good. You just kind of, you know, those early 2000s, 90s, 2000 movies where you just. If they put a little bit more work into it, it could have been a good yeah, movie. Yeah, but they also were working with a tiny budget. And yeah. it's Ja Rule and Seagal after his career had already kind of gone downhill. Yeah, fat Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> but there's I mean, badass Seagal and there's fat Seagal. What is judo uses. Well, judo uses the other person's weight, so <laughs> it doesn't really. Steven Seagal's got all the weight on his side, so don't need their weight. So if he meets somebody else who also knows judo, he's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> he will not beat them. <laughs> all right. So the next part is kind of the most important part. They have to get out. They have to get to the yard. 
Now, the key was supposed to be on, on Miller's key ring. They watched it many times, open that door to get to the yard. But it's not there. That's key number 107. They know the number of this key. And the key's not on the ring. Not okay. there. So, when Miller was done with his rounds, he was supposed to give the key to the guard in the gun gallery. So, the gun gallery guard, Birch, must have it, right? Yeah, it was supposed to, I guess. So, Coy runs back to search Birch, but he had stripped him of his clothes and all of his shit. He didn't have it. He either ate it or he shoved it up his butt. So, Miller must have been lying when he said that he gave it to Birch. All right. So, that day... Miller just happened to be a little lazy. He put the key in his shirt pocket instead of giving it to Birch. So this ruins everything. The plan? Just the one key? Everything. <laughs> one fucking guard being lazy and not doing what he's supposed to do ruined this whole thing. All right. Two guards in the cell that are with Miller asked Kretzer, who Kretzer's watching them, if they could untie Miller's hands to alleviate a little bit of his pain. Surprisingly, Kretzer says yes. So while they're untying Miller... He slips them the key. What? Why would they do that? They're helping him. He might have said, hey, I have the fucking key. Oh, okay. Help me out here. So Miller slips them the key, and one guard slides up behind the toilet to hide it. Coy comes back, and they just, they resort to trying other keys on his key, on Miller's key ring, on the door to the yard, hoping that maybe there's a duplicate, and this one time, it's just a different key. So around this time, Shockley is getting antsy because <laughs> this is the fucking wild card. He's crazy as shit. <laughs> this reminds me of a. Uh, I know you're not. You haven't seen all the It's Always Sunny episodes, but in one episode, they're trying to break into the Korean bar owner's closet. It says it's marked private, and he calls it pirate. pirate. But then he's like, "It's locked, dude." And so Dennis tells him that, and Charlie's like, "Well, try your apartment key." And he's like, "What? <laughs> Why would I try my apartment key?" He's like. Well, it might work. How many possible combinations could there be? <laughs> He's like, millions, dude. Millions, like, really? unlimited. <laughs> I, I, I wonder how many there is. Oh, I'm just, I mean, every single one ever is probably different, I'm sure. It's crazy. <laughs> Try your apartment key. How many possible combinations could there be? Oh, jeez. So, like I said, the wild card's getting antsy. He wants to beat up a guard who treated him badly. He just wants to just fuck shit up. Just that's his whole yeah, thing. Yeah, anarchy. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the group had to cool him off by threatening him, threatening him with the guns. Like, like we're going to shoot you ass. We're going to chill the fuck out. <laughs> so then the other inmates, remember, uh, they have the key to D-block. So they let every inmate out. I bet it's just going nuts oh, in no, there by I'm now. I'm sorry. Rewind. All the other inmates who are out of the block, they're on their work details. They're starting. It's the time to... Quit work. Go back into their cell? Right. Okay, okay. So, but they can't get in. So, so they, they know something's wrong. They know, to, yeah, they know something's wrong. So they know, to, because, I mean, normally a guard would be there to let them in, open right, the door right. and let them in. But so they notify their supervisors that, dude, something's fucking Because they don't want to lose their jobs and be accused of like, yeah. The whole point, of, I mean, a prisoner is never going to be like, take any blame on themselves. Yeah, Put right. It on somebody else. Everybody in there is innocent. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, if I had a good job, like in the library or a janitor, correct. I wouldn't risk it by being like, I would go, you know, you got to tell somebody. Don't help up. anybody do anything yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Because you'll lose your shit and then get more prison sentence probably. But also. Another one. They can see through the windows that there's a bunch of inmates walking around on that block. So they let their supervisors, they let the guards know. So after searching the cell, Coy finds the key. He's searching that cell that all these guards are in looking for this key because it's got to be in there. Finally finds it behind the toilet. And I mean, they're just like, fuck, thank God. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's move on with the plan. He gives the key to Thompson. He runs to the door. He runs to the door to the yard, sticks the key in. Not working. Key 107. Key 107. It's the key. It's the key to get the fuck out of there. So what they don't know was the lock on that door has a safety mechanism to where if you tamper with it in any way, it locks up. Not oh, getting out so of using all the wrong keys fucking locked it permanent? Using all the wrong keys. Okay. Fuck nice. them up. So it jams them up. Can't open it. They're fucked. They're trapped outside That's their That's the cells. end of their plan. Yeah. That they're done. So what happened? Like eventually they, uh, over, the guards come overrun them or whatever? Or? Oh, we have a lot more story. Okay, okay. That's just the end of their plan. Okay. I'm just saying this is where they can't move forward at all. So now... New plan. 
siege time. So a guard outside at D block starting to get worried because he's calling various stations within that block. Nobody's, Nobody's answering. answering. Right, right. So finally at 2 p.m. he's calling the warden. He's like, dude, something's got to be going on. And the warden's like, use your best judgment. I mean, do what you feel like doing. Go with what you feel. <laughs> what a terrible warden. <laughs> what? Are you, this does not pay for that kind of shit. <laughs> Come on, man. So, I mean, he's worried. Like, if he hits the alarm, like we learned in the first part, if you hit that alarm, dude, all hell breaks loose. The Coast Guard knows. San Francisco PD knows. So they're just surrounding that island. Right. And if you're doing it for no reason, think of all that money that's wasted. You're losing your job. So Okay, okay. All right. So finally, he just kind of, something's wrong, feeling on my gut, hits the alarm, the fucking deaf guy in New York can hear that there's something <laughs> going on in San Francisco and Alcatraz. So, I mean, 207, he finally hits the alarm. Uh, the group in the prison knows that the world is about to come down on them in Alcatraz. Coy runs to the bakery. He breaks out a couple windows in there. He starts firing at two guard towers that he can see because he knows the layout of the prison. I mean, he sees this shit every day. So he can see two guard towers from this window. So the guards don't really have a chance to hit Koi because he's pretty well protected. Um, all right. So captain of the guards, this guy's name is Weinhold. He decides, I'm going in a D block to take control of this situation. Oh, we got ourselves a fucking Ex- cowboy, huh? Ex-Marine. Nice. Badass right here. He gets a gas billy club, goes in. So A gas billy yeah, club? Yeah, I had to look it up too. So it's a, it's a billy club. You can load gas canister in it and shoot at it. Gas in people's faces. Oh shit, that's crazy! And then when you're out of gas, you just hit them. You whack them. Okay. Yeah, it's like a you got a big stick that shoots <laughs> gas. In it's quite a James Bond gadget. It's, you got it's pretty fucking cool. I mean, it's not anything great or anything, but better than a regular Billy Club, I suppose. Right. So when Weinhold tries to get into D block, he's met by Shockley, the wild card, who tries to fight Weinhold, but Shockley's a little bitch and. Uh, he pretty much kicks the shit out of Shockley and he kind of like runs away just to go fight some other people. <laughs> um, so then Weinhold, finally he's overtaken by all these guys that all the other freed, freed inmates that are there. All right. So then the assistant warden tries to do the same thing. Bust in like Weinhold. He's got a gas billy club. Um, Coy sees him, takes two shots. One, I think he's in like one of the upper sections of the block. So he shoots at him. One shot hits his gas billy club and blows up in his fucking face. So he just runs away. He runs to the admin building. He calls and uh, the warden's in there. Him and the warden finally call police and federal backup. So now Coy's group knows that they're fucked and they they tell each other. They make a promise. We're not going to be taken alive. So they settle in. They finally kind of settle in for the siege. Guard, Guard Weinhold is put in the cell with the other guards. And he tells Kretzer they don't trade hostages for freedom. That's a rule. So Kretzer tells his all the other guys in the group, if we kill the guards, nobody can identify us as the ones responsible because, I mean, we got, like you said, all these fucking inmates in here are innocent. <laughs> so you don't know who's responsible. Thompson's fine with that. Crazy Shockley loves the idea. So Kretzer shoots Weinhold in the chest. Then he proceeds to shoot all the other guards also. He reloads. He goes to the next cell, next door, where they got the rest of the guards. Start shooting them. He's just executing them. Pretty much, yeah. So I believe it was in the second one. There's a guard in there who was good to Kretzer. He has got no problem with him. He wasn't going to shoot him, but then Crazy Shockley comes in spouting all his crazy shit. Wild card, baby. Yeah. (laughs) He wants blood. Jeez. So he makes Kretzer shoot him. So he raises his gun. He apologized to him. That guy shoots him in the head. So at 3.30, the Marines show up. But the warden decides to send eight guards to storm the gun gallery and gain access to D-Block. So Is this like a pride thing? Pretty much. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I'm thinking. So they're met with the smell of tear gas. Little did they know that Coy and Kretzer could see every move that they're making when they enter the gun gallery because they're at the top of the block and they see everything going on in there. So they open fire for the guards to hit. They move back to the gun gallery to get out of the block. 
All right. So for the rest of the night, everybody outside and the inmates, they're just kind of shooting back and forth at each other. Not much going on. They're throwing bombs at each in the block. All the inmates that wanted nothing to do with the shit show, they're just trying to take cover in their cells. Because, I mean, you don't want to be blamed for something you didn't do. Right. So they're putting mattresses in front of their, the, the door of their cell to not get hit by gunfire. Uh, again, from the first part of our episode on Alcatraz, the Birdman. <laughs> Stroud comes back in our story. When the bombs start going off, he closes some of the steel doors to block off the block. He closes the steel doors of six isolation rooms, and he saves three people. Side note, you don't know this guy's a piece of shit. He actually does something nice and saves three people. 11 a.m. the next day, the Marines start bringing in heavy artillery mortars and fucking bazookas. Jesus Christ. To Alcatraz. A tunnel specialist is brought in, and he has the Marines drilling holes in the roof where they think that Coy and his boys are at. So they drill holes, and they start dropping grenades in there. <laughs> but the whole point is to move them to a block where they know they can kind of pin them down Okay, okay. in this narrow corridor. Now, remember, these guys are World War II vets, Marines. This is shit they learn fucking up Japanese, dropping bombs. The prisoners you're talking about? No, no, no. Oh, okay. The The Marines that are there. They've learned all this shit from fighting Japos, dropping bombs in their little holes that they... uh, Dug underground mm-hmm. and shit. They know how to move people right. <laughs> to where they want them to. So this is this is nothing for them to get these guys. The inmates call the warden. They got a phone. They call the warden. And they try to make a deal, but the warden wants unconditional surrender. So the night, they're just still, that night, they're still just kind of shooting back and forth at each other. Till the next morning, guards would go in, shoot down that narrow corridor that they got them blocked in on D-block. At 9.40 a.m., they finally decide it's kind of quiet enough. They decide to go in. They're met with no gunfire. They find the bodies of Coy, Kretzer, and Hubbard. Now, Coy and Kretzer are cold. They've probably been dead for a while. They kill themselves or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's what happened. But Hubbard was still relatively worn. So while they were just shooting down the corridor, he probably accidentally just got shot and killed. Um, But see, this is why they think they committed suicide. All of the gunshots are to the head. All three of those guys. So the three survivors, we have the Choctaw Kid, Carson, Thompson, and Crazy Boy, Wild Card, Shockley. All of them are charged with an escape attempt and the murder of a guard. So there was a guard who died that was with those eight guards who was initially sent in. Remember they sent, when the Marines got there and the warden didn't want to send the Marines in, he sent eight guards in. Right. So they did shoot the guard in the lead and he died. So they charged him with his murder. Uh, but actually, that guy might have died by friendly fire. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Thompson and Shockley were sentenced to death December 3rd, 1948. The Choctaw Kid was spared because his lawyer proved that he showed leniency to the guards being held in the cells. Initially, when Kretzer started like shooting all the guards that were in there, just sword. When you hire somebody to kill people. Assassinate? When he's assassinating everybody. He thought everybody was dead. The Choctaw kid noticed that there was people still breathing. He didn't say anything. So he kind of held back so where nobody, not everybody was going to die. He got an extra life sentence. What is the point of that? You're already in jail for life. They punish you by adding another life. What doesn't even make sense? How can they? I don't understand. I got to me. If you're like causing trouble and you're already in jail, I feel like it should Death. be. Yeah, I mean, you just clearly you're. Well, they, I mean, they gave him leniency because he did something good. I know, but what? he still needs to be punished for his trying to, you know, all the crazy shit that happened. I just don't get that, man. Well, he <laughs> didn't really do a lot. I mean, like I, he's I, in on it, but he's not really in. I on get. It. I guess so. I guess so. Um, which I, I agree with you, but this guy, I'm fine with it. I mean, not that big of a deal. He's still in there for life, which I don't agree on life sentences. I'm I'm more for the death penalty, but whatever. So he actually did get paroled in 1973, and he could never assimilate back to the outside world. He's kind of a Brooks from Shawshank kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think he... Did some more crimes, ended up back in prison. He did die in a med center in Missouri. The same one we talked about in the last episode where Stroud died in the same way. 
But I think the Choctaw kid died of AIDS. <laughs> he was a homeless guy, so probably sharing needles or some oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Banging nasty bitches. It'll get you. After all that, three inmates died. Two guards died. Uh, Winehold lived, but he was a disabled. He was a guard that got shot straight in the chest. Alcatraz got a little bit more strict after that. I'm betting so. I never even heard of that one before. I've never heard of this one either. That seems like oh, a pretty just, substantial... Uh, th- like three days? Three-day siege on Alcatraz? Marines yeah, that's bombing crazy. Alcatraz? <laughs> uh, the escape attempts did start back up uh, like 10 years later. And then we're going to get to the big boy in 1962. All right. So let's talk about the escape from Alcatraz. The escape to end all escapes. It's like the most famous prison escape of all time. Have you ever right? seen Escape from Alcatraz with Clooney? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad oh, loved yeah. that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But I mean, I probably watched that movie 20 times. When I've I was never growing seen up. it till I started doing research. Really? On yeah. Oh, it's a good movie. It I'm really not a is. Clint Eastwood guy. I'm not really either, but... Honestly, the older I get, the more I appreciate my I dad. Do. My dad loved Clint Eastwood, so I watched a lot of his movies growing up, and I appreciate it more now. This movie didn't really have a lot of plot. The whole point of the movie was just the escape. Well, yeah, I mean. So this escape, no more uh, Danny Ocean stuff. That wasn't a very Danny Ocean story. I it, thought it was. They I'm, put together a team of awesome escapees. Yeah, but Danny Ocean was... A lot smarter about everything. That was more of just like a brute force kind of plan. That wasn't much of a. <laughs> it was pretty. It wasn't uh, very well thought out. It was kind of sneaky, but they. I think they relied too much on that key. Yeah, that obviously was the whole that, thing. Yeah, that, that was pretty dumb. They maybe should have taken a couple months to think about if that doesn't happen. Then what? Yeah, but like I mean, we can't you can't really. For, I don't think you can foresee that though. That was just one time that the guy was like. I'm not going to give that I key mean, back. I mean, maybe they could have gone to the library and learned about prison locks or something. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's... <laughs> you didn't know about that. I, I didn't, didn't know about no, that. No, I didn't. But I mean... I don't think you can foresee I'm not, that. I'm not trying to escape prison, so... <laughs> I have a vast array of knowledge, but it's mostly about things I've encountered in my life before. You know, Put, put that in your book. Then. Yeah, now that's, I'm ready. That's things I'm you ready need to now. be looking up. Yeah. <laughs> We learn from these stories that we tell on the show. Right. Hopefully you guys learn from these stories also. <laughs> Don't rape women. So next. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> this escape is headed up by Frank Morris, Clint Eastwood's character. Nice. So this is Clint. He was joined by the Anglin brothers, John and Clarence. This guy's a gangster. His real name is Clarence. And also a guy named Alan West. Now these guys knew each other from Alcatraz. But they met in prisons in Florida and Atlanta. I did not know that Clint Eastwood's character, Frank Morris, he's from Louisiana. He broke out in uh, Angola. What? He got arrested in Slidell. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's town hero. Pretty cool. (laughs) What crime did he commit? Do you know what crime he committed? It's got to be pretty violent. I don't remember. Alcatraz is pretty bad, right? Like, it's got to be pretty violent. Well, he was there because he, like I said, he escaped from Angola. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of escapees go to. Okay, because it's inescapable, right? Right. Yeah. I I bet you uh, Stallone could escape it. I doubt it. Remember that movie Escape? Not unless Schwarzenegger was there. Yeah, that's true. He needs help from a better action hero. (laughs) Really? Schwarzenegger over Stallone? Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think Stallone's a better actor, which. Both of them suck. Full catalog, Terminator or... Terminator. Really? Over uh, Rambo? Terminator over Rambo? For sure. I'm going Rambo. That's fine. You're gay. (laughs) (laughs) Predator's my favorite movie. Yeah. But I think I'm going... I think I'm going Stallone, honestly. I mean, I'm John Wayne. Rocky. I'm sure you're probably going to go Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I hate John Wayne. He's aggravating. Agree to disagree. Schwarzenegger's so much better. Stallone is a better... Act, I don't know. He wrote Rocky. He acted Dude, in Rocky. Rocky and Rambo alone is like enough for me. Like those are two of the greatest film franchises That's ever. Fine. But Schwarzenegger is never gonna be a great dramatic actor, which Stallone can. You know try what it is do. for me? Terminator is tarnished by four and on or whatever to me. That, okay, one through three great movies, but they just it, you know they ruined it. Schwarzenegger is an action hero. Yeah, he's not an I actor. Mean, That's all he's ever Predator's done. greatest movie ever, and it always will be, in my opinion. But he's an action star. Which Stallone 
has done more. And I mean, he's fairly decent. Schwarzenegger. You suck. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Morris was approached by Alan West about an escape around 1960. So West had worked on the maintenance crew. So he's kind of the guy that knows the ins and outs of Alcatraz. And he learned some of the various weaknesses of the rock. The rock. He found a vent that wasn't sealed over with concrete and could possibly give them entrance to the roof. The job started by using spoons from the mess hall to dig the concrete around the vent. Right. In the back of their cell. So the vents about around five by nine and the wall around it six inches thick. That's a thick wall. That's a thick wall. So that evolved. It's like half of my dick size. <laughs> Come on, bro. You're a half that big size. So they uh, that evolved in actually using a makeshift drill, which they made from an old vacuum motor. Uh, they used the sounds from Music Hour. They had a Music Hour. Just play like on a big ass yeah, stereo. No, every, no, no, no. Everybody, they had an hour. Everybody on the block. Could listen to their own music? No, they could play their own music. Like, they had musical instruments. Everybody, oh, so everybody's okay. just playing okay, okay. whatever the fuck they wanted. Right. Frank Morris, he had bought an accordion. I guess they, they could order stuff. And I he, remember that from the yeah. movie. Yeah, yep. So he bought an accordion to, max the, to mask the noise. It's In real life, it was one of the little round ones. We'll talk about that a little bit later. That'll come into play. Actually, so as they dug their vents out, they made cardboard replicas of the vents to hide their progress. To help them be able to work at night, they made pepper mache heads that they had with hair smuggled out from the barbershop by Clarence Anglin. He worked in the barbershop. He can get hair to place in their beds to trick any guards who may be walking the block and checking the beds. As they finished the work, digging out the wall, behind the wall was a utility corridor. And it's just the space between the cells and the outside of the prison. They got all the plumbing, all the electrical back in there. And of course, that shit springs leaks or you got to work on and stuff. So yeah, you got to gotta have it. enough room right, for right. people to get in. So the plumbing back there makes pretty good a ladder. Like you can climb all that. Remember that from the movie. Yeah. Like all the pipes and shit. Yeah. yeah. You can climb it to get to the roof. So Wes knew about this area because he'd done some maintenance back there. And painting also, there was this room at the very top of the block where he could see down all that shit. So there's this room that he was doing maintenance in up there, the very top of the block. So while he was doing maintenance up there, he was painting and doing other stuff. So he would kick dust over the side to where it would get into the block. And I guess people might have been complaining about all this dust falling in their faces. So he's talking to the guards and he's like, so just picture like, there's bars and he's kicking it over the edge. So he's talking to the guards and he's like, hey, everybody's complaining. Can I put some sheets or something to block all this debris that we're working on so it don't fall on people's faces? And they say, yeah. So they have this whole room. Nobody's watching. They have a whole okay, room to so themselves. He's just blocking it off to where nobody can see what nobody he's doing. Nobody can see gotcha. what they're all doing up there. So this kind of becomes their, uh, their garage, their workstation. They got a whole room up there. To do whatever the fuck they want to do. All right. So that's also where they stored all their equipment to help them get out of here. So they had, can't remember which England brother it was. I think it was not the barbershop one, but the other one. So he started stealing raincoats to build their raft and life jackets because Morris had learned from popular mechanics and a Sports Illustrated magazines that they got in the library about how to build a raft and how and to build life, life jackets, jackets from nice. fucking raincoats. He stole over like 50 raincoats <laughs> and nobody noticed. Jesus Christ. That's all. And why the, do they have raincoats for? For the guards? or No. Well, I mean, it's uh, in the Bay. It rains a lot. It's foggy all the time. It's... So the prison it's inmates gross. have it's nasty, yeah. light raincoats? Yeah, so, they okay. got to go to work. Yeah, stuff. okay, that makes sense. Nasty place. Well, I, yeah, I know, but I mean, it just that's a lot of raincoats just to be sitting around that can be, you know, thieved. See, yeah, the thing, like, you never notice 50 raincoats go missing. Like, that's a lot I'd of be raincoats. Like, hey, boss, I got a tear in mine. Can I go get another one? But you're doing this shit, like, every day, they never notice. Kind of weird, but anyway. So they put them together using... Um, Liquid plastic that they got from somewhere. They use steam from the steam pipes in between the... Uh, to like melt them together and yeah. shit? Nice. It's pretty fucking That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so they vulcanized the plastic. So now, 
They're ready to go. It's go time, you and me. On the night of June 11, 1962. So they each pull away the cardboard vents to reveal the holes in the wall wide enough to slip through to reach the utility corridor. Sadly, Alan West could not join. So what happened was his cardboard vent that he made, it kept falling. <laughs> so he put a uh, liquid cement to hold it up to the wall and it got so hard that he couldn't pull it loose. <laughs> but then when he finally got loose, his hole wasn't big enough because there was this bar like, uh, what do you call it? When You know when they make concrete, they put the rebar, rebar in there? Rebar, right, yeah. So there was a rebar in there. <laughs> he couldn't chip the concrete out anymore, so he couldn't fit through. So that dude was just fucked. So uh, he crawled back in bed, just went back to sleep. Everybody else left I without him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, I mean there's I nothing guess, you can do. Right. Pretty much by then, you're just trying to think of how do I not get, get associated with these guys. Right. right. So they all left without him, but... um. Morrison Anglin, they made it to the maintenance area where there were they had that room hidden off. They got all the shit in there. Now the next part, they got to get up to that ventilation shaft in the roof. So at 10.30 p.m., they made it. They pushed the vent cover out. There was a loud crash that guards did report hearing. Nobody did anything about that. <laughs> Probably just a raccoon or something. Yeah, dude. Ra- raccoons. Raccoons. Always escaping prison. <laughs> the fucking raccoons. <laughs> So they traversed the roof, dodging spotlights and guards. All the guards' eyes watching the roofs. They made their way down a pipe. I think it was by the uh, bakery or the kitchen or whatever. So they make their way by down the pipe, away from the building. They had to make it over a 15-foot fence with their makeshift life jackets and their rafts. So now they're on the north side of the beach. So they use that. It's called a concertina. That small accordion that Frank Morris had yeah. bought. So they use that. To pump up the raft. Oh, shit. That's so, man. Genius. I remember him doing that in the movie, but I don't I really, I don't remember it being the accordion. Like, I remember him, like, having a foot pump or whatever. Well, they used, they used the concertina, but in the movie, he had a big-ass accordion. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, but that's what I was saying. I think he had the concertina, the little round one. That's what he bought to make music with, and then he just took it from his room to get out. Another one. I guess I don't really know how an accordion works, but it is just pulling air in and it's out just, of a vacuum, like a, a bag you know, or whatever. What's, the, what's something that you blow up the fires with? Oh, I don't know what it's yeah. called. Yeah, it's like a, is it a flute? A flu? I don't know what it's called. A flu, I think. Whatever it is. A was, fire flu. Whatever I was like reading. Like the Three Stooges a use a fluke? I think it's a flu. I'll look it up. Continue on. All right. So now the hard part is done. All they have left to do. One hard part's done. Now, all they have to do is float across the crystal clear bay of the San Francisco Bay and enjoy a few shrimp cocktails and enjoy life, right? Nah. So, the plan, according to Wes, was that they were going to make their way to Angel Island, which is two miles away. Uh, Like we said in the first episode, San Francisco is a mile and a quarter away from Alcatraz. So, they're going to a different island, two miles away. Bello. Bellow? That's what it's called. I thought it was start with an F. Hmm. Fire Bellow. Okay. So instead of going to San Francisco, they go to another island two miles away. So it's like you go to the island, walk across the island, and then you go across another strait to get to whatever land. I don't know if it's San Francisco, but whatever land's on the other side. But the strait, it's called Raccoon Strait. So they- No shit. Raccoons. I told you there's raccoons in Alcatraz. Raccoon. <laughs> raccoons. This was the plan. They go to Angel Island, traverse Angel Island, make their way across Raccoon Street, <laughs> which is about a half a mile wide, to the mainland. They're going to steal a car and clothes and then make their way. We don't know if that actually happened. So their absence was noticed the next morning at Wake Up Call. A guard's trying to get Morris up. Motherfucker's not getting up, so he pushes, <laughs> he pushes hits him the in the head. head. Yeah. What happened? His head fell off. His head. Yeah, he was pretty old. <laughs> oh, God, this man's lost his body. <laughs> I his killed him. <laughs> his body is missing. <laughs> the raccoons have eaten. <laughs> the raccoons got him. <laughs> the raccoons have eaten his body. <laughs> so he pushes the head and it falls on the ground. That scared the shit yeah, out of me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I bet it would. I did break the paper mache head, which I think they kept that head. And you can still go see it, I think. I went to an Alcatraz museum. I yeah. would love to do it that. It was an Alcatraz and crime museum. I don't even remember where it was, but it was pretty fucking awesome. Why wouldn't they have an Alcatraz anywhere else but 
It was California. like, man, I don't even, I truly don't even remember where it was. It was like Indiana or so, I don't even remember, dude. I really don't. I wonder why. I have to ask Laura about it. She'll remember where it's at. Uh, so the alarm was sounding. The guards started to search the island. They start to search the, they searched the waters around for 10 days. On 10 June, days, man. Yeah. That's a long time. On June 14th, they found a paddle on the south shore of Angel Island. Um, Do they have paddles? They had paddles. Okay. They didn't know that until they found it. I think they made it out of plywood somehow. Okay. I don't know where they got the plywood. Well, I mean, they had like a shop in there, right? Yeah. That's where they got the uh, the liquid plastic. <laughs> I couldn't remember where they got it from. Yeah, yeah the sense. shop. All right. In the water around there, some workers, I mean, people work around that island and stuff. So some workers found some pictures and information of some friends and relatives of the Englands wrapped in like a, they found like a wallet of pictures and addresses and stuff and a little plastic pouch that somebody lost apparently so they found this little wallet of them so that's another around angel island so maybe they, they made it through angel island maybe right but why would you leave without that maybe you just Seems dropped it of, probably so on the 21st they found shredded pieces of what they think was the raft on the beach close to the golden gate and then the next day they found some pieces of what could be a life jacket but i mean same material so they don't know Right. The bodies of the men were never found. So did they make it or I not? Think they, I think they made it. Never know. I don't, I don't really go into any of the theories. Of- I know of one theory. They were, there was reported sightings like on the mainland and there was reported sightings like in South America. Mm-hmm. And they've I watched a documentary about it and they pretty much proved that one guy was alive in South America. There was this. Uh, I think she was a San Francisco lawyer. She might have been like an assistant to a lawyer. She got a call from somebody asking to talk to the lawyer, asking for information on how to like give yourself up. Really? Days after or something. Okay. And she was like, well, the lawyer's not here. Can I take a message? And he just hung up and nothing ever came of that. But that's one of their most prevalent. Like, uh, we think that was one of the Anglin brothers or something. Yeah. But okay, so. Just some background information. The Anglins were, I've talked a lot about, it's very hard to swim the bay. Right. The Anglins were very good swimmers. Okay. They were from Florida. But in the winter, their family would travel up north to Michigan to work. I can't remember. I think it was like cherry, pick cherries or something like that. Cranberries, maybe? Cherry? Cranberries are really... It's some kind of berries. Yeah, cranberries are really popular up there on the Great Lakes. But they would swim... When they got up there, so they could swim real good in Florida. But when they got up there, they're swimming through fucking pushing ice. They're swimming in the lakes and shit, pushing ice. So they were very good swimmers. And cold water swimmers. Yes. Okay. That helps also. So, I mean, they could possibly do it. They had the ability, but just think... Middle-aged men, you've been in prison for years and years with no kind of exercise at all. Very highly smokers. I don't know if you could do it. Man, determination means a lot. I don't know. Professional swimmers have a hard time doing it. They do have life jackets and a life boat, though. Oh, okay. So That was another thing. If you're just leaning on a flotation device and kicking your legs and you're, like, knowing you have to get there or die, like, I don't know, man. It don't really take any skill. It just takes... Grit and determination. So that uh, Unsolved Mysteries I was telling you about, they had one guy swimming, but then they had a three-man team that had a raft built just like them. Couldn't go nowhere. Really? Yeah. They couldn't finish. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Like these guys, professional, I think they were kayakers or something. Because of the current? Yeah. And it wasn't because of like the the temperature or anything. There was a boat following them like halfway. They were like, we're not getting (laughs) anywhere. We're giving it. We can't do this. We're giving up. So this escape, one right after, or the inmate actually swam all the way across to the mainland. Swam and made it, but he got picked up. And then all the high publicity of Stroud, which from part one, uh, Alcatraz got closed. Uh, so it was just way, way too expensive to run. It cost right. $10 a day for an inmate as opposed to $3 at every other prison. Uh, salt water in the air, did a number on the prison, it just crumbling they couldn't keep up with it was deemed not worth it and robert kennedy the attorney general jfk's brother he closed it down march 21st 1963 
Nowadays, it's a museum and a major tourist attraction now. I'd love to go I know, see man. that. Dude. I really would, awesome. too. I've always wanted to go tour. I think they do tours or whatever. Yeah, they do. That would be so cool. All right. Ready for this? You know how they said that Leavenworth was the last stop before Alcatraz? Well, maybe it could be said that Alcatraz was the last stop before hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Good one. Yeah. Thank you. That was my first attempt at writing. I'm pretty sure that was like Shakespeare can't yeah, match was, that shit. It was Shakespeare. That was good, level. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. I appreciate it. I thought it was pretty fun. Very that's a very entertaining yeah. story. Cool. The whole time you're telling the second escape, I'm just like picturing the movie in my head. Yeah, Clint like, Eastwood. What, yeah. And I'm pretty sure And then one of the other guys, you probably don't remember. It's He's the fucking guy from uh, dry, the Clear Ice commercials. Isn't that, am I thinking that right? No. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, so I'm pretty one, sure. No, no, one no. of the guys is like the so guy. One guy. Clear Eyes. One guy's the one from Tremors. Oh, the guy that died recently? yeah Oh, no shit. Yeah. So I mean, he's one of the England brothers. I didn't even know that. I hadn't seen Tremors yet when I, you know, when I was like, watching Escape from Alcatraz or whatever. That's crazy. So he's from Tremors. And the guy you're talking about, I only can remember him from Friends. You, you watch Friends? I watched Friends recently. Remember the when they were making noise, they had a neighbor that would come down, and then he died. And yeah, then Chandler and like fighting over the apartment or something. Well, or? no, Chandler was like saw himself in that guy because he was really a loner. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he played Alan West's character, not the same guy, but he was the one that didn't make it out. Okay. He was old at the point in Friends, though, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He looks the exact even, same, but I he, didn't recognize he had an that. afro in Friends, but when he was young, he just had short hair. Okay. All right. Uh, remember, Facebook, Instagram, please tell your friends about us, because that's the only way people are going to know about us, because uh, algorithms and stuff won't show up or whatever. Fucking Zuckerberg, man. Yeah. Goddamn Elon Musk's. Bill Gates? Is it Bill Gates' fault? I don't think Bill Gates is in the game anymore. Well, I think fuck you, Bill Gates. I think it's mostly Zuckerberg. Oh, all right. Jerry will suck your dick if you <laughs> tell people about our podcast. All right, guys. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Beer Cans Beersy Show. Good Don't rape women. <laughs> <laughs>